We're going to get into the Word of the Lord. I'm glad you're here on a Wednesday night. This may be the last warm Wednesday night we have left. You chose to be here. What a beautiful day the Lord has given us. And uh, I am truly enjoying this fall time weather. And um, this is my kind of fall time weather. When it gets a little cooler, I'll be complaining. So just wait. I'll include it in all of my Bible studies. You could just come expecting to hear me complain every Wednesday night. But we'll get through it, and the Lord will provide, and spring will come if he doesn't return first. If he does, we won't care. First John, the second chapter, and I'm just going to read a text here um, just for the sake of reading a text tonight, really um, draw our attention together. And I want to talk to you for a little bit tonight about winning life's greatest battles. Winning life's greatest battles. First John chapter 2, in verse number 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is what? It's not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. And um, maybe if I was more tech savvy, I would know how to pull a clock up on my uh, iPad. They removed the clock from the back wall, and I forgot to wear a watch tonight. You folks are in trouble. So if somebody would be so kind as to loan me a watch, that would be appreciated. Thank you, Brother George. Don't judge him. I asked for it. Don't judge him. I was preaching in Chicago a couple, day, a couple weeks ago. Just before I went to the platform, Brother Jason Emery said, Pastor, don't tell them you're going to preach short tonight. <laughs> well, you all know why. Winning life's greatest battles. You ever been in a battle that you thought was too great for you? Don't know if I can ever win this battle. You ever said that? I may be in a fight I can't win. It's not a good feeling. Don't really know what I'm going to do. I got to tell you, I face those situations. I help people. I, uh, I help others, and sometimes myself I cannot help. You ever been there? Great battles. There's a lot of battles, but then there are great battles. Now, I would say that every battle that you're in feels great at the moment. But we all know that battles could be measured when we get on the other side of them. We look back and know this battle maybe wasn't as big as we thought it was going to be. And then we get into battles and we think, oh, it's nothing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, 
comes the big hurricane that just smashes into our life. And we realize, wow, I can't win this battle. We live in a constant threat of attack from the enemy, from the world, from the flesh, and from Satan. It's really the three major areas that we have to be careful and have to be aware of. There are three areas we must always be be on guard of attacks. We're attacked by the world. We fight we fight battles with the world. We fight battles with the flesh and we fight battles with Satan. Now, the reason that it's important for us to know this is because the way you respond to each of these battles is different. How many of you know you can't battle the flesh by the Spirit? And you can't battle the Spirit by the flesh. And I'm going to explain this to you. There's a lot of things that we can do for ourselves. Some, some of us have, have uh, we, we face battles and we're fighting the battle in the wrong in, in the wrong way we're we're fighting an attack from we're 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 fighting something something that is in the flesh and if our only response is well I'm just going to pray for it there's nothing wrong with prayer don't get me wrong we have to pray but there's some things that praying alone is not going to do we've got to do more than just pray There's some things that faith will really do wonders for, but faith alone will not do them. That's why the Bible says faith without is dead. That's why Jesus said, This kind come not out by much prayer and... You see, he's saying there's some some other elements that are involved in this battle. And so... Our, our main battle here, our, our, our battles where we have to watch the attacks from, is from the world, from the flesh, and from Satan. But we do live in, a, in an arena that is in constant threat of attack from all these three areas. Now, we overcome the world by faith. I want you to say that with me. We overcome the world by faith. We overcome the world by faith. The world, the word world, uh, actually is comes from the Greek word cosmos, which uh, in the broadest sense means the invisible sense uh, or the invisible system of ideas, activities, and purpose of the present world. So it is the system of ideas, of activities, and purpose. James chapter 4 tells us that friendship of friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of this world is the enemy with God. James chapter 4 tells us If you are a friend of the world, you are an enemy of God. So you are choosing 
by aligning yourself with the world or with the world's systems that you are literally putting yourself uh, in line as an enemy with God. I don't want to be an enemy with God. You're never going to win a battle when you are fighting against God. So we must overcome the world's temptations. Now here's how that the world will tempt us. First, the world will tempt us to seek its approval. How many of you know that's true? That's why that peer pressure. See, we talk about peer pressure with young people. We don't talk a lot about peer pressure when we come to adults because we're supposed to have outgrown that, right? Peer pressure. There are times that the world, the world is constantly putting pressure on us. Political correctness is one of those pressures that is applied. It's being applied by the world today like never before. Political correctness. Don't speak, don't say, don't do, don't act. Don't publicize. Because if you do, you may offend somebody. Everything's offense. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not over the hill yet, depending where you put the peak. I'm putting the peak about 60. I'm going to live to be about 120. But I have lived long enough to know that the world's value systems have changed in my lifetime. Can I go a step further? I, not only has the world changed in my lifetime, but there have been a lot of changes in what is acceptable and not acceptable even in the church in my lifetime. I was talking to somebody the other day and they brought up two or three different issues that used to be big major issues and I said, we lost the battle. And he said something else. I said, we lost the battle. He said something else. I said, we lost the battle. And he kind of looked at me. What do you mean we lost the battle? I said, nobody preaches against it anymore. Because the pressure of the world silenced the pulpit. The pressure of the world made its way into the church until the saints pressured the pulpit. Until the pulpits became silent, and now some of those things that we once cherished, we no longer cherish. Some of the things we held dear, we no longer hold dear. We must be careful to not conform to the pressure of the world, to seek its approval. Now, it has, the world has many, many different avenues and ways of, uh, of changing society. Now we're all we're all uh, I, I would guess I would guess across the board we would be a, a reasonably intelligent group here, would you not say? Don't shrug your shoulders. <laughs> Agree with me here, please. A reasonably intelligent group of people here tonight that I'm talking to. But you know where they when they start programming our when they, when they begin to program our children to have a different viewpoint and a different, that's before long, it becomes acceptable with the children. And in the matter of just about 20 to 40 years, an entire society can be changed by changing the children. 
Now, I know some of you work in education, and I'm, no, I'm not hitting at you. I'm not hitting at anybody in particular. I'm just bringing the facts to us tonight that the world will use the educational system to change society. It starts, it starts when they're young and all the way up through. Find a true conservative college today is, uh, is very, very rare. The liberal teaching in our universities is mind-boggling. I went and attended a Christian-based, supposedly Christian-based university, and my sociology professor continually, day after day after day after day after day, would hit his desk and talk about the Bible-thumping Christians being the problem in the world in a Christian-based college. Think about that now. I was a little older than some of the others at that time. I had no idea that he had already picked me out. He was smarter than I was. The last day of class when I was, took my test and was walking out of his class, he, he said, hey, Mr. Jordan, step over here. I stepped over. He said, so you're a minister. Where are you, pastor? I was a bit shocked. He had it all figured out, but it did, he was so brazen that he would stand to my face in a university and would speak against Bible-thumping Christians. What an accusation. I don't know. Maybe we ought to wear it with honor. Maybe we ought to wear it with pride because the world and its system works to change. If you think Hollywood is just producing movies for your entertainment and for their money, you are wrong. They are producing movies to change society. America is being de-Christianized right before our eyes and people are blind to the very fact that while I still believe America is a Christian nation, I, I may question it in some parts of the country, but it is swiftly being deprogrammed and programmed to believe we're not a Christian nation. And all the morals and what was held as immoral and what was held as moral to my mother and father's generation was acceptable in my generation and is expected in this generation. It is the attack of the world upon society. If you think the world is for you, wake up. The world tempts us to not only seek its approval, but to conform to its Standards, conforming is the process by which one is molded in the likeness of another thing. It is the being conformed. That's why the scripture said, be not conformed to the world. You think this just started? The conforming of the world was back in the day of, of, of the apostles and the prophets. The, the conforming of the world, conforming men to fit into society. That's why the Bible says, Come out from among them. Be not conformed to the world, but be, here's a key word for you, transformed. 
by the renewing of your mind. You know what renewing of the mind that it is talking about? It's not sticking your head in a, in, in, into another university. Nothing wrong with education, but it is getting your mind into the Word of God. Digging into the Word of God. Seeking God for counsel. Be, re, be renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the world is trying to get us to accept its philosophy. The philosophy of the world is is very, very different than the philosophy of the church or the Word of God. The philosophy of the world says it doesn't really matter what the Bible says. It's irrelevant. The philosophy of the world says everything in the Scripture is left to interpretation. It comes to no shock to you when I tell you that this same philosophy is moving into the church. Well, the way I see it, Well, pastor, this is what I think. This is how I feel. It is the philosophy of the world that is contaminating the mind and conforming the minds of people, even the followers of Christ, into conforming into what I think. What I we got to get in the Word of God and see what it says clearly for ourselves. So we overcome. We got to overcome the world. Secondly, we've got to overcome the flesh. Oh, we all love to overcome the flesh, don't we? Prayer and fasting, don't you just love it? You just love to fast, don't you? You love just, just interrupt your day with by just disciplining yourself to prayer? Isn't that just easy for you? The only way to overcome this flesh is by crucifixion. That's why the apostle said, I die daily. The the word flesh in the Greek literally means living out of one's own resources. Living out of my own resources, my own thought process. Living out of my own resources, my own empowerment. The flesh, ladies and gentlemen, is the source of, of most sin. The flesh is the source of most sin. Sin is initiated by going one's own way. That's why we have to crucify the flesh. The scripture said, crucify the flesh with the the lust and the what? The affections. Wake up your neighbor. You know this. We have to crucify the flesh by crucify the flesh and the affections thereof, the things that the the flesh has an affinity to. What does the flesh have an affinity to? The sinful nature of the flesh has an affinity. To, to, to lean towards sin, we have to crucify it. Here is where we have to start pulling some things together. Let me help some who deal with habitual sin. Can I do so without, 
without offending anybody tonight, let me be politically correct. I'll use the word addiction tonight or I'll interchange that with habitual sin. They both are simultaneous, okay? The world likes to use the word addiction, it's okay. I will use the word habitual sin because sin has a pull to it. That's really what an addiction is. It is a a habitual sin. It is a habit-forming sin. How many of you know sin is habit-forming? That's why the liar tells another lie. Until it becomes part of who he is and he speaks and he is... He speaks untruths and that he becomes, he lives out the untruths in his life. He begins to see himself through an image that he has created in his mind by his own lies. There is no reality to, to his life. There is no substance there. It's all fake. And so he lives in a fantasy world of his own creation. As long as I continue to tell lies, people will think differently. As long as I tell people that I am rich and and I can drive a fancy car that I can't afford and wear fancy clothes that I can't really afford, but I go around and and act like I'm wealthy and act like I'm rich and act like I have money, people will automatically think and I'll tell stories of of impartial truths of, of how I gained all of my wealth and how that I help all the needy people around the world. They can't feed my own family. And so people are drawn to us because they think we're wealthy and we're going to help them out. And so then we begin to live in this fantasy world of, yeah, I am somebody. Look what I have. And so we begin to live in a fantasy world. It becomes intoxicating. Anything Anything can become habit-forming, some more than others. That's why mind-altering things can become habit-forming very, very quickly. I was at the hospital with Sister Paula Myers, and the anesthesiologist came in before her surgery and was telling her what they were going to do and what they were going to give her after surgery. And she said, oh, no, 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 be careful because I don't want to become addicted to that. And the doctor said, believe me, you're going to want this. You're really going to need it. She said, you're not going to get addicted. She said, you're going to really, really need it. I'm not talking about that kind of use, but there are people that get addicted to all sorts of things, particularly things that alter, that affect the flesh, the physical body and the mind. Drugs affect the mind. It tricks us into believing that life is differently than what it is. It brings hallucinations. It makes us feel better than what we actually feel think differently than we actually think. People drink. They use alcohol as a drug. It's mind-altering. Emotion uh, changes their emotions, modifies their emotions. And people use, people use pornography. It becomes addictive. They get wrapped up in pornography because it is, it is, it is altering. It, it is empowering. And it gives the ability to, it's, it's secretive, and it even has certain hints of what it does to the human emotion that will actually cause one to, to believe that they, they have control and that life is different than what it actually is. And it is, it's habit-forming because of what it does to the human physical body. Now, all of these things... 
can, can become, many, many things can become habit forming. Now, how do we overcome habitual sin? How do we deal with them and how do we put them out of our life? Now, I've, I've covered it broadly just trying to bring our mind to what we may be personally dealing with that have become habitual in our life. But in order to overcome the habitual sins that we deal with, number one, we have to study our own habit patterns. What is it that leads to the point of me involving myself in sin? What leads me into that? So we have to study our own habit patterns. We have to, we have to learn about our desires. What is it that I really desire? What is it that I'm looking for? And then we have to begin denying, our, denying the very appetite of the flesh. Now that sounds easy, doesn't it? Now here is the issue, denying the appetite once that the appetite is created. I told a young person the other day, I said, you're going to understand clearly what, I'm, what I mean when I say this, so I'm going, to be, I'm going to be real politically and socially correct when I say this. I told a young man the other day, don't ever get the motor running. You will be very difficult for you to ever stop it. Don't ever start it. Because if you ever start it, it's really hard to stop. And that's more for just some young person that is battling sexual desires. It's for about any type of sin that will lead us into a habit pattern don't ever get it started. Don't ever get the engine running because once it's running, it's very difficult to stop. And so we have put ourselves on the backside of, of life trying to stop something that we have intentionally started. So we have to study our habit patterns. We have to, we have to learn about our own desires and we have to deny the appetite of the flesh. So whatever it is that leads us up to the point we have, to, we have to change that pattern in our life. I'll break it down, make it real simple. If the issue, if the sinful issue is the conversation, the, the, the dirty conversation at work that always happens at 10, 2, and 4, Around the water fountain, I got an idea avoid the water fountain well pastor don't you know I have to have water I, I'm you know I'm I work hard go at nine and one when the old acquaintances aren't there change the pattern that is leading into the sinful habit. Whatever it is that you're doing, do something different. Change the pattern of your life. Now, now Pastor, you, you're now getting into psychology of, of sin. No, I'm, I'm trying to help some, some folks that deal with the same thing and they pray through over it. And yes, they were sincere when they prayed through over it and they go right back into it again. And they repent, pray through over it, and go right back to the same thing. I think it was an apostle that said the very things I would do, that's, you know, I wouldn't do, that's what I do, and what I, 
what I wanted to do, end up not doing that. So we're not alone in some of these battles that we have to deal with. But in dealing with them, how do you crucify the flesh? I crucify the flesh by denying myself the visit to the water fountain. Well, everybody else is going to the water fountain. I'm going to be busy. I'm going to find something else to do. I'm going to have to run to the convenience store. you got to find something that, that takes you away from whatever it is that is leading you into that sin. Well, that's difficult. Of course, it's called crucifixion. You're crucifying the flesh. That's what fasting is all about. You understand that, right? It's not about impressing folks. You know, we, we do every year. We fast more than just the beginning of the year. Some people think we only fast one time a year. Of course, we fast other times of the year. I, I call a fast at the beginning of the year. We fast throughout the year. Some of our young people last week, did a, some of our young, young guys, proud of them, they did a five-day fast last week. Some of them for the first time to be able to do that. But in fasting, it's not about being public. It's not about talking about it. When we do corporate fast, of course, long corporate fast, we do the Daniel's fast for 21 or 40 days, and we encourage one another. But it's not about boasting and getting on Facebook and, oh, look at me, I'm fasting. You just got your reward. That's not what it's about. But we do promote it, and we try to encourage one another. So please don't ever get that out of order when we're promoting fasting in the church. And when we do it together corporately, of course we know one another fasting, but we're not doing it to impress somebody. Well, I'm going to sneak around. Well, you're not fasting if you're sneaking around. What are you? Who are you impressing here? You do know that your fasting doesn't impress God, right? He's not impressed. I've had people say, well, man, I fast more than everybody else. That's nothing to brag about. That means you got more to deal with than what they got to deal with. You really got some problems with the flesh. Well, Pastor, that's right. That's why I just feast all the time. No problems. I told somebody the other day, well, you know the Bible says more about feasting than it does fasting, right? We're going to go into a fast. You know the purpose of that fast? The purpose of that fast is to crucify the flesh. Well, what does not eating have to do with my sin pattern? Because we are, we are, when we begin to break down the flesh, one of the strongest areas of discipline in a human body is denying food, denying sexual desires, and imposing additional prayer. That's what's supposed to happen during fasting. Some of you act like you didn't know that. Because they're the most difficult battles to deal with. And by doing so, we have just opened ourselves up to being more sensitive to the Spirit. Then it becomes easier to say no to the habit pattern. That's why breaking habits in your life is easier done when you develop prayer and fasting into your life.
because you're denying the flesh. You are crucifying the flesh. Everything that you overcome in the flesh, everything that you deal with in the flesh and that you are fighting to overcome should have a spiritual additive back into your life. Let me try to make this more clear. When you are overcoming sinful habit patterns, sinful nature habit patterns in your life, when you take something out, when you remove something of that sinful nature out of your life, add back in something that is spiritually significant to fill the void. Otherwise, you will have a tendency to fall right back into that same pattern. When somebody comes into the church and they've been living a life, maybe they've, maybe they've lived a party life and they've lived a life at the bars and they've got all the friends and that's where all their connections are. Pastor, it's going to be hard. How am I going to break away? What am I going to do? How am I going to, how am I going to get away from all of it? You've got to replace it. I won't ask anybody in this room to respond but maybe some of you might have even heard me say this before. Pick up your phone. Make your last text message and tell them, I don't hate you, I love you. You have been a friend for a long time. I care deeply about you, but I am changing my life. During this time of the change in my life, I will not be able to help you. I will be changing my phone number. Please do not seek me out. If you ever need to find me, you can find me at the altar on Sunday at 850 Delphi Avenue. God bless you. Send, delete, change your phone number, and move on. Oh, pastor, that's hardcore. Try it any other way, you will fail. Those are my friends. I've got to save my friends. I've got, got to get my friends in church. You're not strong enough yet. The time will come that you'll be able to do that. But today you need a separation from them. Well, Jesus ate with sinners. I believe the Holy Ghost in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's not about the Holy Ghost. It's about the habit pattern that you have developed. You go back to the bar and try to save your friends, you will end up back in the same mess. Well, I better not meddle, but I feel like it. <laughs> All sin is biblically categorized in three areas, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the what? Pride of life. The first two are very easily identified. The lust of the flesh is the desire of the heart, the flesh. The lust of the eye is, the, is also a desire of the flesh, but it is a desire for the things that... It is the desire to gain and have and want. The lust of the flesh can be categorized in things more than just the desire uh, that you want. It's more, it's more an internal desire. The lust of the eye is more a physical desire. But then the pride of life is the attitude toward issues. I want you to say that with me. 
attitude toward issues. The pride of life, pride is an attitude, right? The pride of life is an attitude toward issues. A lot of people say, well, I can, I can control the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, and I don't have an issue with the pride of life. I'll let that settle for a little while. Pastor, I'm so humble. Let me tell you how humble I am. Anybody that knows me knows I'm humble. Yeah, you are. The pride of life is an attitude toward the issues of life. I will do it my way, pride of life. It doesn't really matter what the Bible says, pride of life. doesn't really matter what counsel says, pride of life. Pride, boast yourself and lift yourself above those that are supposed to be able to speak into your life. The pride of life causes folks to believe that they are smarter than the professor. The pride of life causes people to believe that their way is better than the Bible way. The pride of life causes people to ignore all counsel around them and go ahead and do it the way they wanted to do it to begin with. The pride of life says what I think, what I know, the way I like to do it. The pride of life. Romans chapter 7, about verse number 18 says, For I know that is in I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth what? No good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform. That which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, I do it not. And the evil which I would not, that I do. The pride of life is destroyed when we reach the point of saying, hey, in me is nothing good. That's the beginning of breaking down the pride of life. There's nothing good about me. It's one of the hardest things for the human race in this culture to do is to overcome the pride of life. Repentance is being skipped over by so many people in a rush to say, I'm part of them. I got the Holy Ghost. Did you repent? I think I read in the Bible somewhere have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Let me ask a question. Have you repented? Because it's not a question that is asked too often from the pulpit any longer. Have you repented? Repentance is getting honest enough with yourself that the pride of life is broken down. Well, Pastor, why are you talking to a church full of saved folks? Because it'll creep right back in if you're not careful. And we'll get boasted up in who we are and we start thinking all these things. Page four. And then we battle with the flesh. Oh, you thought I was already there, right? No, I'm just starting with the flesh. We deal with the flesh through self-denial. The world is bound by sinful nature. And the flesh can get caught up in 
sinful nature. Let, let me read Galatians chapter 5 to you. I know you already know this. Did you move this clock? I'll just watch up for you handed it to me. Goodness gracious. Now the works are manifest. Which are these? You can quote it with me, right? Adultery and fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. All of these are works of the flesh. Could I just stop and tell you that I could do an entire study just on those things that I just gave you? We could just break each of those down individually. We could do a series and I could teach each of those individually and we could talk about what they are and they are so broad all of a sudden we'll begin to see ourselves in the sinful nature of our flesh the world is bound by these things there is a right response to the flesh Galatians 5 and 24 and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. So we have to crucify the flesh. All right, now, since Brother Harding has sped up the clock, i got to hurry. We overcome the devil by resisting. The Bible says resist the devil and what? See, we blame a whole lot on the devil, but the truth is, is I don't think that that is your greatest battle. He is, he, is a, he is planting seeds. He is throwing things at you. Yes, of course, he is. He is at the core responsible for all sin. But the devil himself is very easy to overcome. Whom resist being steadfast in the faith. Oh, I wish I had time to talk about this. You resist the devil by being steadfast in the faith. It frightens the devil when he knows he's never going to persuade you to believe anything but what you believe. It scares him half to death. What am I going to do? What do I do with this one? I can't persuade him. I can't change his mind. I can't do anything. No. There's no vacancy. Neither lives leave space. There's no vacancy. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. No vacancy. I'm resisting the devil. There's just some basic principles of overcoming the devil. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. It's very, very simple. Resist the devil. Well, that's what I try to do, Pastor. I try to resist all this sin. You know, I went down to the bar the other night, and I just told him, I'm not going to drink. But boy, I ended up before it was over with. That's not resisting. You resist the devil by saying, go to the bar, get behind me, Satan. I'm going to the church. Go another direction. Tempt me to go to the bar, I'll show you. I'll go to the church and pray an hour. Throw a fit and lose your temper. You know what? I think instead of that, I'll just, uh, I think I'll just talk to the Lord about it. Whatever the sinful nature is can be overcome by resisting the devil. 
So these three enemies that operate in the world, that operate in your life, that bring these great battles in your life, all come at you from different ways and different sources. Paul uses the word flesh in several different ways. In this particular passage, Paul denotes that the flesh, he, he, he denotes the flesh as the evil carnage of man that is often bombarded by, by, uh, by sin and it becomes out of control because of the sin nature. And this flesh is directed in selfish pursuit rather than in godly living. Now, here's the thing. Some struggles are individual struggles. There's some folks that have struggles that it's just, man, it's an individual struggle. But there are a lot of things that people struggle with that we all struggle with. They think they're the only one that struggles with it, but we all, all have sinned. Can I get a witness? All have sinned. We all have had our struggles. We all have had our days that we've disappointed ourselves, disappointed others, and disappointed God. We all have sinned. We all need the grace of God. If we ever reach a point of believing that we have arrived and that we have no sin, we have just most likely stepped into the arena of the pride of life again because we have struggles. No matter how young you are, how old you are, there are struggles. No matter how long you've served the Lord, there is going to be struggles. So what matters, what matters is that we make up in our mind that we are going to persevere. We are going to push through and we are going to be saved no matter what. When we make up our mind that no matter what comes my way, I will be saved. That kind of attitude, that kind of spirit, that kind of tenacity frightens the devil. When he knows that you are going to resist him by being steadfast in the faith, there is nothing that he can do to break you down. You are on your way to winning the greatest battle you have ever fought in your life. So no i got to wrap this up and summarize this in the next two minutes. We all struggle with the world. We all struggle with the flesh. And we all struggle with the devil. Know your weaknesses. Know where you are. Don't put yourself in a situation where you are trying to fight alone. And don't try to fight out of your own resources. When you fight out of your own resources, you've moved in the arena of making a spiritual fight a fleshly fight. You cannot do it. If it is a sin of the flesh, you must overcome it by prayer and fasting and reading the Word of God and Bible study. That's how you overcome the sin of the flesh. Sins of the world, how are we going to overcome the sins of of the world, the pursuit of the world, of what the world is putting out. We deny ourselves. We, we, we will not allow the enemy to be able to speak into our life. The devil, we're going to put him to flight. Get you some good scriptures in your life.
Get some good scriptures that you can use, that you can quote, that you can read, that you can bring up. Pray the word of God. I'm going to stop here tonight because I don't want to, I may want to come back to this next week and continue on because I still have about three or four pages of notes here. And uh, you know, when you work hard on something, I don't want to just blow it by flying through in two minutes. So I want to come back to this and we will, we'll pick up. But next week, I want to talk about, I want to talk about some of these struggles and how these struggles affect each of us individually and how we can overcome these things. The devil wants you to believe you are defeated. He wants you to think there's no use. May as well quit. May as well stop going. May as well just stop. How many of you know people that have just listened to the devil? He's a liar and the father of lies. There is no time to quit, no time to give up, no time to throw in the towel, but fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. The only way we're going to make it, ladies and gentlemen, is to keep fighting. Stay in the battle. It's the greatest battle of my life, Pastor. Come on, we're going to fight together. We're going to, we're going to do this together. We're going to fight together. It's the only way you're going to make it in these last days. We need one another. We need God. We need one another. We need fellowship of the church. Amen. God bless you. Stand with me tonight. Father, thank you tonight for your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Gives direction to me every day. Lord, I pray for every life that I have spoken into tonight, for every person. God, that maybe I've dropped a nugget of wisdom and I've dropped... Lord, I, we have looked into your word tonight, and I know your word has spoken to us, and I know your spirit has spoken what my inadequacies, Lord, uh, prevented me from being able to say or do. But I'm praying tonight, Lord, that every person in this room would receive the word of God and that the battles that we fight tomorrow will be easier because of what we have learned today. And I'm praying, Lord, for your help and your strength. I'm praying, God, that you, you raise us up to be a strong people. Raise us up to be a spiritual people. Raise us up to be a church, Lord, that is on fire and doing the work of ministry. We thank you for it. Be with every home and family, every individual. Keep us close to you. Bless us throughout this week, our youth rally on Friday, Lord. Send a special touch and anointing. And then our evangelistic services this weekend with Brother Mahaney, Lord, we're praying that you're going to send an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We thank you and believe you in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. God bless you tonight. Greet each other in the name of the Lord.